From thezebrablog.com, welcome to Before and After, the Furniture Refinishing Podcast. I'm Lane Ball. In all actuality, the, the milk paint's been around for a, a long time. I think you touched on this on your website. Yeah, they, they actually even found it in ancient Africa recently, you know, on some, some um, stone carvings in a cave. And that's probably the earliest uh, mm-hmm. finding they, they found recently. And that was a couple years ago. Of course, you know, um, in the Egyptian and in the, in the tombs, you know, casein's been used as a paint in there. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 not uh, early man discovered it. I mean, we're just kind of reinventing it and reintroducing it to the world as as a powder. Hello, listening friends. Today we are chatting with the Real Milk Paint Company. We'll learn more about how they got their start, what makes their paint products unique, and discuss their full line of finishing oils and waxes and more. Stay tuned for another great and informative episode. Well, I want to first introduce you to our Canadian co-host today, Jess with Blue Peaches Furniture, a furniture refinisher extraordinaire. And after this week, I must mention her latest adventure of diving into the art of kitchen cabinet refresh refinishing. <laughs> so are you taking time to breathe, Jess? <laughs> My kitchen's done and it looks great. But yeah, now I'm back into furniture painting. <laughs> oh my goodness. You're probably painting furniture with one hand and doing, you know, kitchen makeovers with the other. <laughs> no, so it feels a... sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, what's up with your cabinets and countertops? They look amazing. And you did that for under it was like a minimal amount of money. It was under a hundred dollars. Um yeah, because I I um I rent my, or we rent our apartment, so we can't make uh-huh. any permanent changes, but uh, I've, we've lived here for 16 years now, and uh, so we wanted to refresh some stuff, but on a budget and be able to remove sure. it. So we just used um, peel and stick fake granite countertops and backsplash, and uh, we added hardware from D. Lawless, and the whole thing was under $100, but it... Uh, it looks really cool. <laughs> I'm really yeah. happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> you should be. Well, okay. I'm sure we've created interest among many listeners who will want to go check out <laughs> Jess's Instagram account yeah. to see what we're talking about. But could I please ask you to hold from doing that until after the podcast? Because we are going to introduce you yeah. to another great paint company today. And I'm sure they are growing impatient waiting in the <laughs> podcast green room. <laughs> Actually, not really. That just sounds nice and was fun to say. <laughs> Let me introduce you all to Dwayne and Shane of the Real Milk Paint Company. Welcome, guys. Hey, thank you. Hey, great to be here. Well, this is unique and cool at the same time with Dwayne and Shane on the podcast with my name being Lane. Jess, I hope this doesn't make you feel left out. <laughs> we could always call you Jane. Yeah, How about that? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got some uniqueness going on. That's cool. Well, it's certainly great to have you guys on. So why don't we uh, begin by having each of you introduce what you do at the Milk Company, what your role is. And let's start with you, Dwayne. Yeah, I'm the founder and owner of the company. I started it 25 years ago. So I'm the CEO and uh, coordinator for all materials and technical support. It's a lot on your shoulders. It keeps me hopping. And <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Shane? Yeah, so um, as you might not know yet, we're a family business, so we wear many hats, <laughs> small business. Yeah. Um, but uh, my main roles here is more of like the social media um, kind of director and, and manager. And then I also do a lot of the creative work, you know, cr- you could say creative designer, 
you know, mm -hmm. marketing videos, photos, kind of an all-encompassing kind of a role. But that's that's mainly what I do. One of the neat things about social media that we certainly have enjoyed is just the direct contact and relationships that are developed with uh, customers, and they become your friends. And so I know I'm sure you really enjoy that aspect of it. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, your logo showcases that you guys have been around since 1995. I mean, that is incredible. Congratulations on over 20 years of being in business. I guess you're getting ready to celebrate. Let's see if I'm doing my math right. 25 years. Yes, sir. It's been a pretty pretty incredible ride, so it's it's been fun and interesting for sure. We've seen a lot of changes, you know, in the way to do business and you know move products across the world. And you got anything special planned for uh, the twenty five year celebration? We do. Um, we can't quite say what it is yet, but we've got some some good ideas. I think um, that's going to you know be well received and uh, yeah, yeah. It, we're excited about it. We're we're waiting to to launch it. So stay tuned for sure. Well, that's a good teaser. I can't wait. So just to get an idea of um, where you guys are at, uh, I believe you guys are in Tennessee. Little town called Hohenwald, Tennessee. Not not to be snake, not to be snake mistaken for a hole in the wall. <laughs> now, is that close to Franklin? It is about 45 minutes away. Yeah, Franklin. I, I was in Franklin uh, many years ago, but it, it's such a really neat uh, town. We really enjoyed visiting Franklin. I have to ask this question because if I don't, Jess will because she knows that uh, <laughs> I have uh, I have this thing about weather. <laughs> so so let's 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 do this. Let's start with Jess because I just have this fear that she's probably dealing with maybe cooler weather than what we are because I'm in North Carolina. You guys are in Tennessee, so. Hey Jess, what's going on with you and the weather? We had our first snowfall of the year, so there's snow on the ground. I woke up to snow everywhere. <laughs> oh, it's no. officially winter. Wow. <laughs> okay, go ahead, give me the Celsius. What's the Celsius? Oh, you know what? I haven't looked it up yet. <laughs> okay, that's it's okay. gotta be below zero, so below freezing. Oh my. Yeah, well I guess so if you're getting snow on the ground. So what about you guys in, in uh, Tennessee? What are, we, what are you guys looking at for weather today? It's rainy and overcast today. Um, we've had a, a good period of, of you know, good weather and sunny weather that was in the 70s last week. It's supposed to drop overnight you know, into the 30s tonight, but right now it's 68 and rainy. Well, you're not, you, you guys aren't too far off um, for what's happening here in North Carolina. It's 57 degrees, um, cloudy, not rainy, but I think it is supposed to rain later this evening. And then we've got some really cold weather coming up. Um, Jess is probably going to laugh when I say this, but uh, it's supposed to be <laughs> 25 actually Friday night. Uh, so let's, yeah, <laughs> we gotta Ooh. gotta make sure we're all all ready for that uh, winter weather. It seems kind of <laughs> early though for November, at least for this part of the country. Yeah, to get that cold that quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to ask you guys, I know listeners are eager to hear this. Uh, tell us how you got started and give us some understanding as well. The landscape at that time, 25, close to 25 years ago, with respect to the availability or not of milk paints. I had an old uh, barn in, in Pennsylvania. That's where we came from originally. We moved to Tennessee seven years ago. But in the barn, I was doing a lot of antique furniture repair and restoration you know, for, for other clients. And uh, the internet was just starting to come of age, and I remember getting my first internet account brought into the to the barn to the barn uh, with a computer, and the guy kept telling me to get get online with an email, 
and I kept typing in AT for at. So I was Dwayne at you know the internet address, and I had kept calling technical support and saying, "What is going on with this? I, you know, I, I'm doing everything right." Oh, oh that's and, the funniest story. So, so things. I mean, Yahoo was begging for for uh, you know .com names at that time, you know, and we started. Uh, I at first I started out as a pigment company because in my furniture restoration business I had a hard time finding the appropriate pigment colors to make paint to match uh, early American furniture that's pretty prevalent on the East Coast in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. So, um, and I started, I was going to the local stores and I was buying paint, little plaid paints and different things, and I kept trying to match paint. It never looked the same. And I'm like, there's something wrong with this. I'm doing something wrong. And so I started to realize that the paint wasn't made the same, wasn't made from the same ingredients. That's why it didn't look the same. So that's what started me down the road of developing the milk paint the way traditionally it would have been made before we had hardware stores, before we had oil companies and petrochemicals. And that's, you know, so of course there's, there's a lot of story in between all that, but that's, that's the starting point. Well, that's so interesting. Now, um, what is your background as far as uh, career and interest and all that? I mean, you must be very chemically minded or science, you must have a very analytical mind. Well, people do ask me that and think that I have a degree, you know, in, you know, organic chemistry, but I don't. Um, I, I went to high school, graduated. Um, I worked several different apprenticeships for, for some really um, extraordinary furniture repair businesses in Pennsylvania that did a lot of work for Christie's and Sotheby's. And I just had a real interest in how early uh, chemistry, how formulas were made, because I knew that we didn't have you know, a lot of breaking down of chemicals. It was all just combining, you know, what was what was available. So I started buying old formula books and really doing a lot of research on on um, how things were made and just trying to understand how, how they, it all goes together. I, I noticed this on your site as well, that you touch on just kind of the history of milk paint, that milk paint is something that um, it, it's, we tend to think of, you know, with furniture refinishing, uh, really becoming uh, quite popular and a lot of different paints out there. We tend to think of all of those paints are just so, sort of newly discovered paints when uh, in all actuality the, the milk paint's been around for a, a long time. I think you touched on this on your website. Yeah, they, they actually even found that in ancient Africa recently, you know, on some, some um, stone carvings in a cave. And that's probably the earliest uh, mm-hmm. finding they, they found recently. And that was a couple of years ago. Of course, you know, um, in the Egyptian and in the, in the tombs, you know, casein's been used as a paint in there. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's not uh, early man discovered it. I mean, we're just kind of reinventing it and reintroducing it to the world as, as a powder. Well, it, it also does make sense because um, it's funny where it's funny how things kind of what you know kind of comes around goes around and it you know the styles change and the trends change, but as well with furniture finishing so much of that and just I know you know this very well is just trying to take a particular style and creating it in such a way that it doesn't necessarily make it look modern. It actually makes it look like it was from a certain time period and and these these paints uh, certainly uh, have become popular because they aid in doing that well, Jess, i know you have questions as well so why don't you jump in with some of your questions uh for for these guys i guess my first question is what makes your milk paint different than other milk paints on the market 
I mean, we, we have a, a number of simple ingredients. We use a purified casein, you know, as the binder for the paint. We also use a high calcium lime, the type of lime that you would that they would actually use in in the manufacture of aspirins and pills as a binder. Um, the, no way. And we use a uh, yeah yeah. So um, our ingredients are very fine, very high grade. Um, the pigment colors are mainly all iron oxides uh, from you know from the earth or actually from the United States. The majority of them. Um, the other reason, the other thing about our milk paint is it actually will last two weeks or more after it's mixed, whereas a lot of paints out there just want to congeal into a blob. And I was never able to to quite figure out why that happens. I think that you know, with the other paints, I think maybe they're just using uh, milk milk byproducts, but we actually do use a purified casein as our binder. I noticed uh, I I got to finally use this paint for the first time last week and i i gotta say i loved it i i'm actually quite obsessed with it now and um i yeah i did notice that it was very different than any other milk paint that i've ever used before and i find that so interesting that it will remain good for two (laughs) two weeks after you uh you mix it that's unheard of in the milk paint world so that's really Mm. interesting so you don't have to worry as much about if you make too much you can just use it on another piece in a week or two yeah, or you can even put it in the refrigerator, or for long term, you can even freeze it and unthaw it and use it again. Really? And how long will yeah. that last mm-hmm. then? Once you freeze it? Oh gosh, I mean, you could it'll it'll last for several years. Oh wow, okay. And then, um, so I noticed that there was a marble in it. Where did that inspiration uh-huh. come from? Because <laughs> that was a game changer in terms of mixing the paint. I gotta say. Yeah, we uh. Well, I, I like to say my, a lot of my inspiration has always come from our, our customers. And, you know, I, I still answer the phone quite a bit and talk with them. And, and they would always re- relate to us. We, we, we used to have the product in a paper, in a box, in a bag. And people would be like, oh, yeah, that's nice. You know, I got to search for a container. And, you know, that's no fun. And, you know, and, and we, you know but anyway, we, were, we, were, we wanted to, you know, meet the consumer, you know, where they wanted to meet us. So... We were looking for a better way to mix the paint. And, you know, one day I was using a spray can, you know, to spray something in my shop. And I was like, that's it. That's the answer. <laughs> the rattle, you know. So, so I got, got our marble, tested it in different containers, you know. And the container we sell now, that can, it's, it's, it's interesting that the lip that's inside that can has a, has a large impact on the way the paint mixes. Rather than if you have a straight-sided can and put the marble in there. And you could try this later. For yourself, but I'm telling you, it makes a big difference. It just had a really nice texture, and um, it foamed, which was interesting to me. And that was uh, that was cool. It just went on so well. Like um, I had barn red, and um, and reds are notorious for terrible coverage. And it went on in one coat. I did too, just to be on the safe side because I couldn't believe it. But I could have gone away with one coat for red. Yeah, uh, we we have tried to formulate the paints, uh, all of them, to to the to the viscosity. So the thinnest viscosity paint that we have, you know, is formulated, you know, to to take the same amount of water. So basically, you'll get more some some colors. You get more paint 
than you do with other colors, if, if that makes any sense. Right, but, of course. Because we wanted it to be a one-to-one ratio. So, uh, and we've tried to make sure pigments have a threshold as far as uh, opacity. If you add too much pigment, it just becomes filler and makes the paint thick. If you add too little, then you get an opaque, you know, a semi-opaque paint that, that, that doesn't, that has lots of transparency. So it's, it's approaching that threshold and kind of hitting it dead on, you know, where you get the best coverage and where you get the best thickness of material and, you know, good brushability. It's taken a little, I mean, I've spent weeks and weeks with a little mini blender, you know, experimenting and testing and experimenting and testing. And it's, yeah, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So when, when you're making colors, where do you get your inspiration from? Well, our primary colors originally came from the antiquity. Uh, what the, the, the people, our ancestors, you know, at least on the East Coast, that, that painted furniture, they didn't even believe in adulterating colors. So they, they, uh, they basically stuck, stuck with the primaries, you know, because they didn't think mixing them together, part of their religion and what their beliefs were, that mixing things together wasn't appropriate. So, but what's happened over time, and, and then we came out with a second line of colors that we used to call our historical blends. What happened over time is as those colors aged and got deposits on them and dirt and light and UV, they became, they transitioned into different colors. So we went back and took a look at antique furniture and said, hey, this is what the colors are today. So let's match those colors. Yeah. And I would like to add something too is, I mean, at this point, what are we at now? 56 colors um, in total. Mm. Wow. That's, that's incredible. In fact, I, I was just going to ask you how many colors you have, but it's, it's not beyond folks, you know, obviously there's, there's no different with this paint with respect to mixing, creating your own colors as well. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, all the colors you can mix together, you know, either as a powder or as a liquid and, uh, you know, those work out really well. We have quite a few people kind of doing their own blends or they've got a little bit left over of one color and a little bit of another and they just, you know, put them together and see what happens. So a lot of creativity there. One thing I noticed was um, that the paint didn't, uh, it adhered really extremely well, especially for milk paint. And um, so I didn't have the chipping, but I saw that you have um, chippy paste in your line. Can you tell me a little bit about how that works? Because I find that extraordinarily interesting. Yeah, the chippy paste. And just like you said, because our paint does bind so well, you know, we got a lot of we had a lot of customers that are like, we want the paint to flake off. We want it to crackle. It, and it, it just does it. You know, we're having a difficult time doing that. And uh I mean, I racked and beat my head because sometimes it would, sometimes you would experiment with waxes or oils or different things under it, but the results were inconsistent, and I couldn't, wasn't able to to create the effects I wanted consistently. So um, one day I had an epiphany, you know, and I combined a number of different products, you know, to make the chippy paste, what we call our chippy base. It's a water paste. It's a sorry, water based paste that you apply. Um, either heavily or lightly, and wherever you paint over that, the, the milk paint tends not to stick, and so it'll flake off. And you can splatter it on, you can throw it on, you can knife it on, you can dab it on, and you know the, the, the effects are pretty much endless with, with what you can do with it. That's awesome. So then, so now with the milk paint, you can essentially control where it's going to chip. Exactly. Other other paint companies out there sometimes their 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 product just just wants to completely flake off with no control at all, 
And they'll, 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 sometimes they'll say that's a characteristic of their paint and, and, you know, you just got to go with it and, you know, you know, and see what happens. And, you know, but, but if you want, if you want control in your life, then the the real milk paint with the uh, chippy paste is a, is a, is a better way to go. Well, that's so interesting because I have, um, with custom orders, a lot of my customers like the chippy look, but I haven't, I always have to warn them, you know, you don't know where it will chip. So it can be a lot of chipping or no chipping. So to have this paste is sort of, it's genius because you can control where you want it. Um, does it work with other paints or is this, was it designed specifically to coordinate with uh, the real milk paint? Yeah, I can't say I've tested it with other paints to know okay. for sure. I, I could probably pretty definitively say that it's not going to work with like the chalk paints that are out there because right. they use a different medium as a binder. Um, would it work with other potential milk paints? Probably. Okay. And I notice you also have a natural crackle. So that would be, so does that kind of, that creates a different look than the, the chippy paste? Yes. That's a, that's more of a layering process. So you, you put milk paint down, then you put the natural crackle on, you let it dry. You may put a second coat on if you want large cracks, small cracks. You put one coat, large cracks, two coats. Then you coat over it with another coat of milk paint, but usually a different color. And what happens is as the, the top coat dries, the milk paint wants to shrink. So it basically slides over top of the natural crackle and creates all those fissures in between. And then you're able to see the color, the first color you put on. Oh, that's great. How soon do you put the crackle down after you've, um, you've laid down your first coat of uh, milk paint? Does it need to fully, fully dry for, before you put the crackle down? The, well, the first coat of milk paint usually dries in a half hour, 40 minutes tops. Then the crackle takes about two hours to dry. And it has to be dry before you would put another layer of milk paint over top. Otherwise, the water-based milk paint and the water-based crackle will just mix together and you won't get any result at all. Just because this is a podcast, you know, sometimes the visuals get can be a little tricky. <laughs> um, so, like, just to, you know, I see things in pictures. And so, with the natural crackle, it, uh, it kind of looks like alligator skin. Um, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a very accurate depiction of, of what it looks like. And um, I know one of the other techniques is you can thin it down with water um, and create different size, you know, fissures or that alligator skin. So, um, you know, that's something else. I don't know. You might want to elaborate on there. Uh, Dwayne. But um, yeah, that's another kind of aspect of a finishing technique with the natural crackle. Um, So uh, as well as your paint, you also have finishing oils and waxes. So I just, I'm on your website now and looking at all the different types of oils you have. Um, But you also have citrus solvent. So can that be, can the citrus solvent be used to clean furniture as well? Yeah, the citrus solvent is a natural replacement for petrochemical mineral spirits. So it'll de-wax, de-grease uh, any surface, you know. So, yes, it can be used to clean clean furniture, especially if the furniture is, you know, has furniture polish or wax or grease on it. It's not as great for, like, organic dirt because it's, it's not a soap, per se. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the best application for it. Okay. And then you also have dark tongue oil, which I was looking at some examples, and it sort of gives the... Um, the furniture, a unique aged look, if I'm not mistaken. That's our, our dark tongue oil. Um, you know, it's, a, it's basically a stain finish in one. 
And when you put it on different species of wood, it, it'll deposit in the grain and in the corners and give you that highlighted aged effect. You know, so it's a one-step stain and finish at, this, at one time, which is which people love it. I mean, that's been a fantastic product. Does that does that give you ability to control um, like the look, or does it pretty much kind of take shape as you do it? I mean, if you want an aged look, yes. Mm-hmm. As far as color wise, the color is 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 pretty much the same. So if you, it's not going to become darker in one corner than another corner. It doesn't layer that way as far mm-hmm. as uh, that kind of control um, because it's it's not like a dye. Because a dye stain, you could you could control better because you could layer more dye, you know, yeah. in a corner or you mm-hmm. know somewhere. Whereas this this one is more, even though it soaks into the wood, it's more topical. Gotcha. Because it is an oil, right? With the dark tongue oil, it's basically going to bring out what's naturally in the wood, you know. So mm-hmm. it's going to kind of pop that, you know, the figures and the grains and the knots and and everything. So a lot of it is just kind of heightened, you know, what's already there in your wood and the characteristics of it when you use the dark tongue oil. So aside from the, um, the dark tongue oil, you have a bunch of other oils that I see. Do you mind just kind of going through them and letting us know what the differences are and what, what, what we would use the different oils for? Probably the flagship is the pure tongue oil, and that's where it all started. So that's a, that actually comes from the seed of the tongue nut. A lot of people think it's a, a nut oil, but it's not. It's actually a seed oil. So... There's two places in the world that comes from, China or South America, and that's just where those trees grow. So we prefer to use the better oil, which comes from China. But anyway, where that's used mainly, the pure tongue oil is used on a very absorbent surface. So if you had, you know, weathered wood or, um, you know, a floor in your house that hasn't had a finish on it in 100 years, you could use it there. Now, the tongue oil, because of its high, pure tongue oil, because of its high viscosity, we made a, another product from that called half and half. Half and half is pure tongue oil cut 50% or half and half with all natural citrus solvent. So when you start to finish your, your new wood interior or your butcher block countertops or your, your cabin walls or anything you want an all natural finish for, that's where, and you want a clear finish, that's where the half and half comes in. And then, then, of course, we mentioned the, the dark tongue oil, but then we also have what's called the dark half. And so that's our, that might sound like a mysterious, like the dark side of the moon or something, but it's, <laughs> it, we call it dark, dark half tongue oil, which is the, the uh, dark tongue oil cut 50% with citrus solvent. And so that's made for surfaces that, that, again, may not be as absorbent as a very super dry surface. So it can be used, again, on interiors, on floors, on butcher blocks, on cabin walls. Um, the other thing we're getting into is is promoting using the pure tongue oil and and the dark tongue oil as a dark or dark half as a concrete finish mm. because it's it's non toxic, it's environmentally safe. Matter of fact, our floor in our shop here, when we built this building eight years ago, we sealed it with pure tongue oil in our warehouse, and it's it's an incredible sealer. It's all natural, so you don't have to deal with petrochemicals and you know, acid stains and all those kind of things. You can use uh, pure tongue oil and milk paint products to, to finish concrete. And that might be a whole different podcast to get into that, but I'm just kind of throwing it out there. The mm. other oil we have is the hemp oil, 
And we actually resource that out of Colorado. There's a huge resurgence of uh, hemp production here in the United States. And hemp oil is a hyperallergenic oil that's great for like furniture touch-up, um, anything where you have an unknown finish that you just and you just but you just want to give it some more life or or you know fill in the nicks and scratches and you know make it look better. Um, also, because it's not cut with any solvent, it's it's 100% zero VOC and uh, and it's hyperallergenic. So that's where that not not quite that's where that fits into the category, but it's not quite as durable as a tongue oils. The tongue oils, as far as durability and being waterproof, it's that's the strongest natural oil that exists out there. There just there just isn't another one. Yeah, and from a furniture refinishing you know side of things, I know a lot of people use the hemp oil to seal in the milk paint um, because the milk paint's porous and stuff. Um, but the hemp oil is definitely really versatile, you know, because people do the wood accents and then they'll combine that with you know some of the painted you know parts of the pieces. Um, and like basically the whole thing could be, you know, rubbed down with the hemp oil, you know, and, and seal in the milk paint and revive the wood that's there. You know, some of the finishes might be damaged on the pieces you're working with. Can the tongue oil be used over top of paint or is it best recommended to stick with unpainted wood? Well, we have to specify the type of paint. Um, so it has to be a porous paint, which the milk paint is. And typically if you're going to use it, and the answer is yes. So you can use it over paint. Um, but you'd want to use the half and half over milk paint, and it usually will take one or two coats uh, only. Because what happens is that if you get too many coats on there, it just kind of starts to sit on the surface, and it really you really want it to soak in. So, yeah, that's the best application there. So it won't go over uh, chalk paints or latex paints or acrylic paints, anything with that won't that isn't a porous paint. I'm also looking you have outdoor defense oil. Yeah, the outdoor defense oil, we, we developed that. Uh, people, pure tongue oil, or sorry, the half and half, you know, people were using that outside on their garden beds and stuff. And uh, it does work well, and it does have a natural resistance to, to mold and mildew. But in some high humidity cases, we were finding it would get a little bit of a, you know, mildew here and there. So... We, we ended up developing the outdoor defense oil, which is, uses 100 pine oil, uses 100% pine oil, uses zinc and pure tongue oil. So that's great for anything that's going to be uh, exterior as far as fences, swings, garden beds, um, any exterior wood project that you want to protect with a natural product that's not going to slough off and give you any pollution into the ground or soil. So, yeah, and it's been super well-received. We've had it out there on the market for about two years now. And, um, it's yeah, it's just another great product. Well, as well as your oils, it seems like you have a lot of waxes as well. You guys have a lot of products that I, I can't wait to try. I got to try the soft wax, and it's probably my new favorite wax. It went on so easily and so smoothly, and it was so soft. It was really nice. Yeah, I mean, we have, uh, we, we started out with two waxes, which the, which the was the uh, clear carnauba paste wax and a good old brown wax. And those are general furniture waxes where you have a hard film finish, you know, on your furniture and you just want to spruce it up and give it some sheen. Then for the decorative aspect, that's where we developed the soft waxes. And the soft waxes work great over top of the milk paint because we have a gray, we have a white, we have a black, and we have the clear. 
So if you're trying to create definition or highlights, you know, over top of your milk paint finishes, that's where that's where they come in. And then we also have what we call zero VOC waxes, and they are made with walnut oil. So it's walnut oil and color, and and uh, we have two colors of that. And so for those people who just absolutely don't want any any you know VOCs, volatile organic chemicals in their house, the walnut oil takes longer to dry in that wax, but it's it's a super durable finish because you're combining the the drying properties of walnut oil and the wax. So you get the sheen and and the durability of both together. So it's actually probably stronger than any of the other waxes I previously mentioned as far as you know being dur- durability wise. But you have to put up with the slower drying time. The other waxes we have, we we we, we experimented with using citrus solvent as the base for them. Uh, but the citrus solvent is just a bit too aggressive and dries too slow. So we actually use the odorless, a really high grade odorless mineral spirits in that that, you, that basically has no odor at all. I mean, you can't you can't smell it. It's been uh, purified to, to make it completely odorless. And as a matter of fact, it's the same product that's used a lot in the makeup industry, though it's not mentioned. And so all of these products, they're made uh, in-house? Yes. The waxes were quite a learning curve, let me tell you. We had a we, 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 we ended up knowing we wanted to go down the road of making our own waxes. And, uh, you know, so I, I spent many a long weekend, you know, working till midnight, one in the morning, you know, experimenting with thousands of test samples to, to create the wax line that we have. And mainly because, I, I mean, being in the furniture restoration business for years, I mean, I, I used tons of other products out there on the market. So I knew that the characteristics that I wanted with the waxes, not just... I mean, anybody can throw a wax together, but, you know, you really know what it's going to do. You know, is it going to dry hard? Is it going to be smeary? Is it going to, you know, what's the smell? And, you, you know, I mean, some of the waxes out there, if you've tested them, I mean, just the solvents can be enough to drive you out of the room. Yeah, I, I'm curious, uh, on your wax listing there, you've got uh, something called wax flakes. What What is that actually? The wax flakes is, is the, the clear carnauba uh, flakes. And they would be for somebody who wants to actually experiment with making their own wax. Um, Carnival Wax Flakes, mm. it, it's the hardest wax out there, the T1 Flakes. And so because it is hard, if you just mix it up yourself with some solvent and put it on something, it'll just crack. It won't. Because it's so hard, it needs some other waxes added to it for flexibility. So most mm-hmm. people, you'll see a lot of formulas on the Internet where they mix these waxes with, with, with it to get some some hardness and some flexibility out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose that that would also be conducive for somebody that's wanting to add their own uh, smells or scents to, to waxes. Yeah, I mean, carnival wax, I mean, we don't sell it to the to the makeup or, or food industry, but it's actually used in a lot of both of those. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you've also got um, a strippers and removers category. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the paint remover that you have. Yeah, we have a powdered milk paint remover. Um, we've had that for a number of years, and the, the challenge with milk paint when people want to take it off is that it's it's not a petrochemical bond that you would find with enamels or, or acrylics or latexes. It's a protein bond because now you have casein and you have the lime, mm-hmm. which makes a chemical compound called calcium caseinate. Well, regular paint removers just won't even touch it because they can't dissolve that bond. So that's where the, the, the powdered milk paint remover comes in. 
and it really does an awesome job of, of removing milk paint. And there's not really too many other products on the market that I know of that'll do that. Um, the other category we have is this is not a product we manufacture. It's called soy gel, and uh, it's just it's a non-toxic, environmentally safe stripper that is very effective for removing the latexes in acrylic paint. Now, is that does that usually require multiple steps? I know sometimes when you go from chemical-based remover to something that is, um, you know, friendly with respect to the environment and doesn't have the toxic chemicals, is sometimes the breakdown is, is a lot longer. Is that true for this as well? Well, I mean, with, with the milk paints, and the, the, if you're using the milk paint remover, of course, you know, if you're taking off an old paint, you know, there's, there's people should be concerned about lead. If there's lead paint in that old mm -hmm. paint, they're, they're, they're taking off. Now, because you're emulsifying it into, you know, a liquid, the concern is not real high because it's mainly when you get lead airborne that, that you're breathing it in if you're trying to sand it off. You know, that's, that's where the biggest concern is. So once it's emulsified in a gel, it's pretty, it's pretty inert and it can be disposed of, you know, in your trash or local pickup. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the, the soy gel product, as far as taking off, you know, uh, film finishes, whether it's paints or, or varnishes, Sometimes you'll need two coats, but the, the nice thing about the soy gel is that if you if you need a longer open time, you can just cover it with some uh, plastic film, uh, like sandwich wrap, and let mm -hmm. it sit for a couple of days and come back, and it'll it just goes right through it. Yeah, well, certainly I think it's it you know e even if it going uh, into more uh, healthier, uh, earth friendly. Um, removers it's it's to me it's worth it especially for your health it's worth being a little bit patient <laughs> you know so that's that's good okay and so for disposing of your paint how do you how do you go about disposing um like unused paint yeah so that's probably one of the um one of the big benefits of, of real milk paint um because it's 100 percent natural uh what you can do is you can actually take the liquid paint and basically pour it on your compost pile um, or even you could put it down the drain if you don't have a compost pile, but, uh, you know, none of the ingredients are going to be harmful, um, to the environment or anything. So that's a huge plus, you know, we're not putting any type of other chemicals out there that aren't naturally there already. Um, and so that's probably a huge benefit of the milk paint. That's amazing. I think it's so important to have, um, natural products and things like that. And I, and it's such a great product, like nothing's being held back quality wise and you're still able to make a natural product. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really commendable. Um, now, if we thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you for making this mm -hmm. such a great product. Um, if, if we wanted to purchase the paint, where 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 is the best place to, to do that? Yeah. Um, so we, we are the main, you know, we manufacture it and we do ship direct. Um, you can find, you know, all the products. Uh, we mentioned here, including the milk paint on our website, uh, and that's www.realmilkpaint.com. So very much like our name. And, uh, you know, you can order it all through there, all of our colors, um, samples all the way to gallons um, with the milk paint. And, um, yeah, we'll ship it basically straight to your door. <laughs> we also have a nationwide network of retailers, too, that carry paints in their stores. So we'd recommend you can look them up on our website too at our retailer finder. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, always looking for more people too. You know, if, if anyone's ever interested, all that information is also on our website.
And is shipping available to Canada? <laughs> As a Canadian, I have to ask. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, definitely. We uh, we honestly we ship all over the okay. world, so um, no matter where you are, we we can get it to you. <laughs> oh, awesome! That's good to hear. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I know I've tried out your um, your map where you can type in your zip code and. Uh, see who some uh, local retailers are. So that's that's quick and convenient as well. Certainly encourage folks to do that. And then just real quick, Shane, you gave the website, but a lot of a lot of our listeners are also on Instagram. What's your Instagram uh, account? Yeah, um, our Instagram and honestly all the other you know pr- pretty much major social media platforms. You can just search for at Real Milk Paint Co. Um, and that'll bring you to to our page there. Uh, lots of content um, mm. and some inspiration from. A lot, honestly, a lot of people using the product, um, so people just like you, and uh, yeah, definitely. And for those who who maybe aren't uh, computer savvy or anything, we we do have a phone line that, that we answer, uh, you know, all the time, and uh, that that number is one eight hundred three three nine nine seven four eight. So if if for whatever reason uh, you just want to give us a call, uh, we're, we're here to answer the, too. Mm. Excellent. And congratulations on hitting 10K on Instagram. I've been really enjoying the giveaways this week. <laughs> yes, yeah. thank but, you. Thank, thank you. you. It's a milestone. We're, we're excited. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun to hit those milestones. And you guys have got that big one. We're going to be looking for the 25-year celebration. That's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> and um, uh, certainly Zebra and the Zebra Diaries, all the members uh and with the Furniture Diaries, we want to thank you guys for partnering with us this month. The month of November 2019, as prize sponsors, we have some excellent prizes uh, combined with, all, of course, D. Lawless Hardware and, of course, our Zebra Paintbrushes. But we want to thank you guys for stepping up and participating with us in that. That is uh, phenomenal. And uh, we look forward to see who those winners are going to be. Yeah. And the theme. Yeah. Well, thank you for the thank opportunity. You. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. That was very informative. Yeah, and also, Jess, you just started to say that, but go ahead and remind our listeners what the theme is for this November 2019 Zebra Diaries contest. Yeah, so the theme's jewel-toned. So lots of colors to choose from. Some really, it, the world's your oyster. And uh, mm. I noticed on the website, Real Milk Paint has a lot of really nice jewel-toned colors. Um, Shane, do you, do you recommend a few colors that people can choose from to, that will meet the jewel tone category? Oh, yeah, great question. Um, some of the popular ones would probably be, um, the barn red. It's very much like a ruby color, mm-hmm. as you probably I know. I just did that. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful color. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely, uh, worth checking out that piece of furniture, uh, when it comes out. But, um, barn red's a good one. Um, probably deep sapphire, uh, very fitting of a name, um, for a nice blue and, uh, tropical jade. Is another one that comes to mind immediately. Uh, that one's a nice greenish, bluish, jade color. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a there's a lot of colors on there that I think would fit. Um, that's definitely worth checking out uh, to see. Well, thanks so much for co-hosting, Jess, and thank you, Dwayne and Shane, for taking the time to share about your company and offerings. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Well, you all have a great day. Thanks, Lane. Thanks you too. Bye, Shane. Bye, Dwayne. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye now. On behalf of Zebra and the Furniture Diaries members that make up the Zebra Diaries, I want to thank the Real Milk Paint Company for agreeing to partner with us this month, the month of November, by offering a generous array of paint products to the first, second, and third place winners. 
Listening friends, remember the Zebra Diaries November 2019 theme contest of Jewel Tones is ready for your entries. Show us your Jewel Tone furniture pieces by using the hashtag, the Zebra Diaries. Our prize sponsors this month are D. Lawless Hardware and the Real Milk Paint Company, and of course, Zebra Paintbrushes. You have until the end of November to enter. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blog's Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on the zebrablog.com, along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at thezebrablog.com. That's the zebra with an I.com. Thanks for listening and happy refinishing. Oh,